Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Sunstein Sessions on iHeartRadio. Conversations about issues that matter. Here's your host, three-time Gracie Award winner, Shelly Sunstein. Good morning. I want to introduce you to a woman who has been through hell and back. You often hear me say 9-11 didn't end on 9-11. Well, 9-11 almost destroyed the life of Terry Hornacek. She has a book out now. It's called My 9-11 Through In-Flight Eyes. She was the in-flight services coordinator for United Airlines in Newark, on 9-11. What that means basically is that Terry was the one who checked in the doomed flight crew of United Flight 93. And living with that experience and the close relationship she has had with the flight attendants and the crew that we lost along with the entire flight it it basically destroyed her life until she was able to reclaim it. And it's kind of a miracle. So it's a Christmas miracle story is how I'd like to present this. First of all, thank you for being here, Terry. Tell, tell us first how people can buy your book and then we'll get into your story. My book is for sale on my website at terryhornacek.com. It is also for for sale on Amazon. Um, I prefer that you buy it on my website. Um, it tells a lot of information about myself and about my book and about my story. Um, it'll be shipped out immediately if you go to my website, terryhornacek.com. And let me spell that for you. That's H-O-R-N. I-A-C-E-K. I'll do it again. H-O-R-N-I-A-C-E-K. So tell us first about the flight crew, because we we often, you know, hear the the 9-11 stories, but we really don't know anything about the people that we lost that day. And you knew them so well. So first, let's honor their memories. Their memories were absolutely beautiful. First of all, they left that day in a very happy mood. All of them were in good spirits when they left for that flight that day. They came in one by one. And um, I got to say, Jason Dole and Leroy Homer, I did not know. They checked in at a different area. They were the pilot and co-pilot. They checked in downstairs at the um, pilots um, in flight services. But I checked in the crew, um, Sandy, um, Lorraine, Cece, Wanda, Debbie, and um, they were the flight attendants for the flight. 
as they checked in, um, Lorraine came in and um, she was the one that um, always, always was a happy girl. You know, she was one of the senior flight attendants and she came up to the desk and she filled out a card for one of the um, girls, one of our coworkers that was out sick on sick leave. And she filled out a card and um, put it in the mailbox at the airport. And the girl Pam got it a few days after the flight. You know, and that was really bittersweet. And um, Sandy had just come back from maternity leave of having her baby. And she was showing pictures around the table of uh, her new baby. And she talked about her and her husband. Her husband was a pilot for US Air. And Sandy was just beaming. You know, she always had this big smile. She was from North Carolina. And she commuted up to Newark to go to work. And Sandy was showing pictures of her new baby. And she said, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to stop flying. And I'm going to start staying home with the baby. Baby. And she took that flight that day. And um, Cece was on call that day. She was one of our reserve flight attendants. She was an ex-New York cop, I mean, uh, Florida cop. And um, she started flying about a year prior. She was one of the newer flight attendants. And um, Cece um, was on call, like I said. And um, she only had to fly if we needed her. Well, it did turn out that we needed her that day. She had five kids, and she was going to go home to be with her children in Florida. So she went on the on the plane smiling as usual. And um, she very reluctantly flew the trip. And we lost her that day. Um, Debbie Welsh came behind my desk. I had a big high desk and Debbie Welsh came running behind the desk. And Debbie had been suffering melanoma in her face all through her sinuses. And she had surgery and stuff for it. And Debbie had just had a year clean of cancer in her face. And she was crying and she hugged me and she said, Terry, look, she says, I'm free of cancer. And we just, we were so, um, you know, joyful. And we gave Debbie a big hug and everybody rejoiced. The cancer was gone. And we had a really nice um, conversation with all the girls before they left. And Wanda Green came in um, running a little bit late and she was having heart palpitations. And Wanda wasn't sure whether to take the trip or not. And she stood at the desk and the rest of the crew went to the gate and Wanda was left behind and she said I don't know whether to take this trip my heart's pounding and we decided that she would see the doctor in San Francisco the United doctor so she said all right I'm going to take the trip and when I get to San Francisco I'll see you know the doctor for United she says maybe it's anxiety so she took the trip she went to the gate a little bit late and the gate ended up, the uh, flight ended up uh, pushing back from the gate a little bit late. And I think that's how, um, you know, they were notified that they were being hijacked, you know, that the planes were crashing because they pulled back a little bit late. Because that was the only flight that actually um, got notified of the hijackings. You know, they were able to call on the ground. So it's kind of weird, you know. At what point did the hijacking start? They were halfway um, to the Pentagon and um, they got notification that, that um, the plane had hit the towers. The planes had hit the towers. They got notification that the um, planes had hit the towers and there were hijackings. And then when they got notification that they were being hijacked, Debbie Welsh was already killed. She, they had sliced her throat and put her in the galley. She was working first class. And um, 
the hijacker that was sitting in first class had killed Debbie. And then he took over the plane, the four men with box cutters and red bandanas tied around their, they had them tied around their uh, thighs, red bandanas, and they had box cutters and they had taken over the plane and Debbie was already killed. Um, Terry, you were actually on the phone with some of the flight crew during this. Can you tell us? I mean, it's just unbelievable, unbelievable what was going on, what you heard, what you had to comprehend and react to. Yes. Sandy Bradshaw calls. Um, first, the first call was from her husband, Phil, and he was absolutely frantic. And his baby, his new baby was screaming in the background, obviously from the anxiety from Phil. You know, he was so upset. He said, Sandy just called from Flight 93 and they're being hijacked. He said there were four men with with um, box cutters and um, he was absolutely frantic. And he said, she's being hijacked. And of course, I was numb. Um, I ran and got my supervisor, um, Linda Duffy, and I told her what the call had entailed. And um, Phil hung up and I said, you know, um, I waited for the next call to come in. The next call was from Sandy. And she said, we're being hijacked. Um, Here's what's going on. And she explained what was going on. By the time the next call came in, there were terrorist task force agents in front of my desk with dogs and rifles, and they had locked us in the terminal. And then a bus pulled up and evacuated all the flight attendants out of the office. And they advised us to stay, just the office crew. But what what was she telling you was going on? She was saying, um, well, the the terrorist task force agents were telling us what to ask. So they were holding up little notes and they were saying, where's the location of the the, uh, crew? Where are the locations of the hijackers? Where are the locations of the passengers? So they had scurried all the passengers to one location on the plane. So they had them in the middle of coach. And um, Lorraine and Wanda were ministering to passengers, which I thought was just beautiful. They were trying to save souls before they went down, you know. And Sandy and Cece were in the back of the plane, and they were loading up soda cans and the fire extinguisher and and other passengers. Todd Beamer was one of the names, and um, um, Jeremy Glitch glitch, I believe it was. Um, they were in the back um, with the flight attendants and they were loading up the soda cart and they were trying to bombard, they were going to bombard the cockpit because the cockpit was locked. And um, that was the situation going on at the time. So as you're hearing this, what is going on through your mind and how do you continue to function? I'll tell you, Shelly, I think my mind went into just work mode. I went into a state of shock. I later found out um, because I did fall apart in January. I went into work mode. I went into just function mode and I just stayed focused. And I learned that in my training. I think, you know, when there's a red alert and an amber alert at the airport, which means a crash situation or a possible emergency situation, we're trained to do that. And, um, you know, we just kind of um, focus, you know, and my body went to shock. 
you know, and I just functioned and I just took the calls and I started, you know, something made me just start journaling and I had a notepad in front of me and I just started writing down everything that was going on around me and hence my book. You know, this you started that day. I started that day. That day. I I started writing down everything going on around me in between calls and stuff. I started writing down the situation that was happening around me. I just felt it was so important. Like this is history. This is going on around me. This is a hijacking. And then we found out it was terrorism. And I thought this is history. And I started writing down everything word for word. And this is how my book came out. So my book is very historical. Um, and that's where my book came to be. I have 11 journals in my drawer in the other room. Um, that's how my book came to be. I am speaking with Terry Hornacek. She was the in-flight services coordinator for United Airlines on September 11th, 2001. She checked in the doomed flight crew. That was her job to check in the flight crew. Speaking with them in flight after the hijacking, when they were arming themselves with filled soda bottles to storm the cockpit on what they knew was a doomed flight because it was a hijacked flight. Terry has kept a journal through the years starting. She just revealed that she started it that very day. The journal is called, the book is called My 9-11 Through In-Flight Eyes, and you can buy it at her website. So you need to know how to spell her last name. So I'm going to spell it for you. H-O-R-N-I-A-C-E-K. That's Terry Hornacek, H-O-R-N-I-A-C-E-K. You reveal in your book that you basically functioned till January working many hours, even decorating the office for Christmas to bring some joy. And and it was a really trying time, not only losing flight 93, but imagine the terror and the fear of the flight crews that went back to work. And so Terry was basically counseling these flight crews every single day after. So you thought you were fine functioning, even though you were told there were therapists from United Airlines that were assigned and you were told you got to get some help because anyone would need help with this. What happened when you had a breakdown? What what was going on that day? It was January 17th. I was getting ready for work. I was in the shower. <clears throat> I, um, all of a sudden, I just started trembling. I started crying uncontrollably. And the next thing I remember is my mother, I was in an ambulance. My mother found me naked in my living room. Uh, she lived up the street from me. My mother found me unconscious and naked in my living room, unable to speak. I had a severe nervous breakdown. And they said it was very severe. My body had just shut down. My mind had just shut down. I was unable to speak. And um, the doctor said I mentally just crumbled. It was an emotional overload. And um, they said the shock wore off and the trauma set in. So I was taken to the hospital into... um, 
the psychiatric unit in Red Bank. And um, I came across this doctor, Dr. Cancellari, and he was trained. He worked for the FBI before. And um, it was very ironic. Um, he had some terrorist um, training. And um, he ended up to be an angel for me. He was wonderful. And um, he worked with me. And I just remember staring at him. I'll never forget him. I ended up um, running into him recently. And um, I gave him a copy of my book. And I signed it for him. And he just was so happy to hear my story and how I've overcome over all these years, you know. Um, but um, he worked with me for many years. And he introduced me to a psychotherapist. And over many, many years of therapy, I've overcome it. But, um, you know, I still go to therapy today, but it was a very severe breakdown. Um, it affected my family, my kids. Um, my emotional state was just, I, I had to go on workman's comp at United Airlines. You know, um, I eventually went on disability. It, it took my career. It took everything. Do you remember what you were thinking in the shower that day in January? Do you have any memory of this? No, no, I really don't. I just, I just remember trembling, my body uncontrollably shaking. I don't remember getting out of the shower, getting to my living room. I just, um, I really have no recollection. I just remember uncontrollably crying and shaking and my body just, my mind just went blank. You know, um, it was like an uh, an overload of emotion just came over me. And I guess the shock just wore off and that trauma just hit me. You know? Besides the breakdown, this also led to a battle with drug addiction. Yes. Um, my mother got sick um, in 2004 and um, I lost my mother and um, she was 59. And um, I uh, had still been dealing. I went about three years into a severe depression after my trauma and um, I battled with that. And um, my kids went through it with me. Of course, they were all teenagers. And then when I lost my mother, I... Um, I um, went into a drug addiction. Um, I was still suffering with the trauma and the depression, and I picked up drugs, and um, I went into about a 15-year drug addiction. And with what drugs? Cocaine. Mm. Cocaine. It was a very dark, dark road, and it put my family through hell. It put myself through hell. I isolated. I moved out of state. I, I, I pretended I had no family and I put it all behind me and I numbed all my pain for years and I didn't deal with my mother's grief. I, I just, I lost many members of my family in those 15 years and I just couldn't deal. And I just, um, I couldn't deal with the trauma. I couldn't deal with the grief of, of the family members that I lost. And I just numbed myself for about 15 years and it wasn't until recently, about three years ago, that um, I got help. My son did an intervention on me, and he came um, to Pittsburgh and got me. And he brought me back to New Jersey, and he moved me into his home. And um, all my kids together helped get me clean. And they, I found a, a recovery program, and um, now I'm in recovery, and I'm doing beautifully. I just ce I'm celebrating three years clean on the 20th. And my life is just so joyous and free. And 
I'm so grateful today. My life is beautiful. And I picked up my book again and I just published it on September 11th. And um, my life is beautiful today. Who was taking care of the kids? How long were you separated from them? I was separated from the children um, for about um, a couple years. And my mother was taking care of them. And then my mother died. And then my stepfather was taking care of them. And then they all grew up and went to college while I was gone. My um, And my um, ex, Don Furman, um, got them all into college. And they all went on to college. And I was in my addiction while they were in college. And um, the kids were really resilient, you know, and my kids, you know, had really a lot of resentments. And today they all have forgiven me and they've all accepted me back into their lives. And we all have beautiful relationships. So I'm really grateful today, you know, to my children, to my God. You know, I have a wonderful relationship with my um, God and um, my kids. I'm really a lucky person. A lucky person you describe yourself as, Terry Hornacek, although you lost 17 years of your life after September 11th, 17 years. I mean, you were open and honest enough to tell this story publicly. I can only imagine the other lives that have been ruined for people who suffered losses on September 11th or who miraculously were not killed themselves and could have been. And the responders who the FDNYers I've talked to almost all have survivor guilt. Why did I live when he or she did not? It's, you you really have a miracle story that you've come through this 17 years later and that you have your family back. Yes, it's amazing. I, I've talked to so many people who have a problem with drugs and so many times I hear the stories, well, it takes six, maybe 12 times in rehab that it's not an easy thing to overcome. It's so easy to slip. Were you through many programs yourself and what? No, no. I, um, I went to an intensive outpatient program and, um, I stayed in that for about eight months that really learned, taught me how to cope with my, um, cravings, taught me how to cope with, um, my addiction, you know, how to, um, it's not all about the drug, you know, it's about your behaviors when you're addicted to drugs. It's about those addictive behaviors, you know, because it also is gambling. It's, it's, it's many different areas when, when you have an addiction, it's not just the drug, it's the other behaviors. And I learned to cope with many different things. You know, um, I feel like I was an addict all my life. My father was an addict. So I feel like I've had that in my, in my family, you know? Um, so I've learned to cope on many different levels and I've learned to, um, work my program, so to speak. So, um, I, I learned that in IOP intensive outpatient therapy. I go to therapy still. I, um, I call people when I feel like I'm, I'm weak. I go to meetings every day. 
I have a sponsor who helps me. She has 32 years clean. And um, I speak to her every day and I share when I'm going through things, I talk about it, you know, today. And um, I, I, I read my um, basic text. It's a, it's a Narcotics Anonymous book, you know, um, and I read my book. I, um, I work my program to the best of my ability. And I have a higher power in my life today who guides me every day and I pray every day. You know, and I ha and I have my family who I treasure, and they say a grateful addict never picks up, and I'm very grateful every day. So it was there the intervention that did it for you? Oh, the intervention. You know, I was in the hospital suffering um, many strokes from the use of drugs, oh. and I had had three mini strokes. My eye was drooping, and I called the doctor. He said, "Get to the hospital." They said, "You have so much drugs in your system. You know, you're going to die. Like you're so sick." And the next thing I know, my son was standing in front of me in Pennsylvania. He said, mom, you're doing drugs. You're coming back to New Jersey. And my four kids had done like a Zoom call. And they said, we're bringing mom back to New Jersey. We're going to do an intervention and get her off drugs. And they brought me back to New Jersey. And my son moved me into his house with him and his family. They took my money from me. They took everything I owned. And he back just to square one, they treated me like a child. He brought me to meetings. He, he got me into IOP. He says, you're going to do this. You know, you're going to do this mom. And they watched me like a child and they, and they just, for about a year and a half, I lived with my son under his guidance and care. And, um, they helped get me clean. And, and this intervention took place while they were all still estranged from you. No, they, um, well, yeah, kind of. And we all built our relationship back up. And, um, since then I haven't used, and I haven't, I haven't thought about using since then I've gotten a car, I've gotten my own place. I've, um, I've gotten so many things back in my life since this intervention, you know, I've published my book. I've started writing again. I've built my life back up. You know, I've, um, I've done a lot of healing. What are your goals now, Terry? Wow. I, you know, Shelly, I want to help people. I want to help people overcome trauma and move forward in their lives because um, I feel like I'm overcoming my trauma. It's always a wound in my soul, but um, I feel like I'm overcoming it each day with my writing and with my speaking about it. And I just feel like an addiction, you know, I feel like I can help people. I have sponsors in my life today. You know, I sponsor women and I feel like um, if I can be there for other women, you know, if anyone ever wants to talk or I can share my experience, strength and hope through my trials and tribulations, I want to be an advocate for addiction and for trauma. You know, I can be there to share my experience because it's never too late. It's just never too late. People don't have to die of it or trauma or, you know, there's so many overdoses and there's so many suicides due to trauma and addiction. There's just so much, you know, sad stuff in the world today, but you can overcome anything. If you just joined us, uh, you're going to want to listen to the podcast once it's posted. If you miss this, Terry Hornacek was the in-flight services coordinator for United Airlines on September 11th, 20 years ago, and checked in the doomed flight of uh, flight crew, United Flight 93. And uh, her life was ruined for 
17 years from the trauma and subsequent drug addiction. Tell our listeners what your plans are for Christmas this year, because this is so beautiful. This year for Christmas, I'm, I, I, um, I have my family coming over on Christmas Eve, my grandkids, my kids, my ex. Um, everybody's coming over on Christmas Eve. I have a beautiful tree. I decorated my house. I had this giant bag of presents for my grandkids, which I'm going to put out on the front door and have somebody knock on the door, ho, 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 and leave it for the grandkids. And I have it being catered, and we're going to have food, and um, you know, um, we're going to open presents. I bought tons of presents for all the family because I isolated for so many years. So this is my first year hosting um, a holiday in many years, and I have the whole family coming over it's just going to be a beautiful time and um, and I want to like just do a little speech to my family and thank them all for what they did for me over the past couple of years and I'm just so grateful today and I want to put a little shout out to my publisher if anyone has a story and you want to publish a book or you want to do any writing or you're writing in journals BOBM Publishing published my book and they were tremendous in the job they did for me they published my book in like a month you know and 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 they really worked with me i had a a marketing designer i mean i had a graphic designer i had a marketing team i had everybody just work on my book bobm publishing um but um i want to thank you for this interview it's been really beautiful well i want to thank you i i just can't imagine what you went through over the last 20 years and you have your life back. You have your own Christmas miracle. Terry Hornacek, thank you. Blessings during this holiday season. And again, her book, My 9-11 Through In-Flight Eyes by Terry Hornacek, H-O-R-N-I-A-C-E-K. And what you have basically taught all of us is never give up hope. Never give up. And love those who are your family, whether it's biological or otherwise. Show the love like you're showing now. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Terry. Thank you, Shelley. Merry Christmas. And to you and a happy new year. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Sunstein Sessions on iHeartRadio, a production of New York's Classic Rock, Q104.3. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.